1: If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily, from culture club to the jungle, the colourful and sometimes turbulent life of boy George that's dividing I'm a celebrity fans.
0: more words written about them, had more photographs taken than any other in 1983, and also with the biggest hit single of the year, with Karma Chameleon, this is Culture Club.
1: Boy George became a global icon in the 1980s, amassing millions of record sales and adoring fans. But not all was as it seemed he was spending somewhere between £400 and
2: £1,000 a day to get cocaine.
1: Despite efforts to get himself clean, his addiction would land him in prison under very strange circumstances.
2: 1980s pop singer Boy George was found guilty this morning in a case involving a male escort and a naked photo shoot gone seriously bad. The singer was convicted of falsely imprisoning a male escort.
1: Now Boy George has entered the jungle as part of the I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here TV show and not everybody is happy. I'm Kevin Doyle and today on the Indo Daily I'm joined by Irish independent journalist and feature writer John Marr to look at the life and controversies of Boy George. John Marr, Boy George is reportedly the highest paid celebrity to enter the jungle this year. What do we know about his signing up to go down under with Anton Deck?
2: Yeah, he he really is. Um, it's rumored that he will be getting £500,000, which corresponds to about €580,000. And that is a, a very significant amount. Matt Hancock is getting about £400,000 and Richard Maidley, who lasted just three days um, in a previous installment, uh, got paid £200,000. So boy, George is ahead of the pos- posse on that front. And I suppose a sign that um, I'm a Celebrity is
1: increasingly getting bigger stars and happy to pay bigger cash. Yeah, it's huge money when you think about it. It's only a few weeks and they're out again. And it actually does so much for their own their own agenda and personality-driven. It does. It
2: makes us all wonder what we do to eat a few bugs and be put into a horrific uh, horrific situation. Of course, Boy George has talked about his vegetarianism as a potential way to escape some of the Bush-Tucker uh, uh, atrocities. Uh, and that might work very well for him. But I think, you know, in terms of exposure with a, a very young audience that, that tune into this every year, There's a guilt edged opportunity for him to reach people that simply weren't born when Culture Club were these global stars. So it's a win-win.
1: Well, it is, John, except that those of us that are old enough to remember the 80s and indeed the 90s will know that Boy George has had a very troubled past.
2: 1980s pop singer Boy George was found guilty this morning in a case involving a male escort and a naked photo shoot gone seriously bad. The singer was convicted of falsely imprisoning a male escort. A man says boy George beat him with a metal chain as he tried to escape his apartment after a naked photo shoot. Sentencing is set for mid-January. Apparently we now have an answer to the question, do you really want to hurt me? He has had a very significant uh, set of problems, uh, particularly in the 2000s. And he actually spent time in jail. He was sentenced to 15 months, served four months of that. And the reason was he was condemned for falsely imprisoning a male escort in his home. Um, He accused the escort, who was from Norway, a guy he met online, of trying to get into his computer. And there seems to have been no basis to that allegation whatsoever. So with a male accomplice, he chained him to a radiator and and beat him. And, you know, pretty horrific stuff uh, really traumatized uh, the guy in question, Adun Carlson, who was 29 at the time. And the judge had very little mercy for Boy George when it went to court.
1: In an era where you can get cancelled for for tweeting the wrong thing at the wrong time, in 140 characters. It is somewhat surprising that Boy George uh, is able to go down this path in some ways but it has raised eyebrows and some people on social media haven't been happy. Boy George tied up someone to a radiator for two days and beat them with a metal chain. Please stop. Boy George was heterosexual and had done to a woman what he did to a man. He would never have worked. Again. Boy George is showing us just what an awful person they are. Let's not forget the fact that he held a man captive and beat him with chains because he pretends to be a boss. That man is disgusting and doesn't deserve a career in television. The veneration of this remorseless brute is wrong.
2: It absolutely has resurrected this story. And a lot of people are suggesting that he got away. When you take the four-month prison sentence out of it, there was very little suffering that, that he experienced. Certainly his career didn't seem to suffer at all because he got clean. He had a very significant drug problem right from the 1980s until the end of the 2000s. And he's been clean ever since. And he has done very well in terms of stage musicals and royalties from his shows and gigs. And, you know, he's he's quite a savvy businessman as well. And there is a, a,
1: a sense that, you know, people just kind of forgot what he did. Well, let's go back there, John, because y- you, you mentioned that I'm a Celebrity has something of a younger audience and that a lot of people wouldn't actually know the success and the troubles of Boy George. So let's go back to the beginning. Who is Boy George?
2: Well, his name is George O'Dowd, and uh, with a name like that, he has to be Irish. He is, of course, his mother uh, was from Dublin. His father was English of Irish descent, spent a lot of time in Dublin and Tipperary as a kid. He grew up in a part of London that was steeped in an Irish community. Uh, He he had a brother who was born out of wedlock in Dublin, who was actually born in Ireland. Uh, And he has always been proud, I think, of that Irish heritage. While retaining British citizenship, you know, he has constantly stressed his Irishness. And he, he came to fame at a very young age. He was barely out of his teens when he uh, became a member of a band called Bow Wow Wow, which was established by Malcolm McLaren, the guy behind Sex Pistols. And it was his next band, Culture Club, that would make him a superstar culture club in the early 80s kevin was uh i suppose a a forerunner of the new romantic movement which was a a very flamboyant variant pop that emerged at that time and interestingly emi records paid culture club to make demos and then in one of those moments that will forever haunt the executive in question, decided not to sign them. Very bad decision because the debut album uh, did exceptionally well and the follow-up sold 10 million copies globally uh, in an era when people really could sell a lot of albums. This, of course, was way before streaming or, 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 or iTunes or anything like that happened. And... And, and and he was a, a huge star in Britain and in Ireland. I mean, certainly I remember at the time having an intense uh, feeling of pride as a young kid that somebody who was effectively Irish was topping the charts. New Romantics was all about makeup and hats and flamboyant costumes. And it was just brilliant escapist music. Culture Club, partly down to the extraordinary charisma of Boy George became, stayed relevant uh, uh, at a really great decade for pop music. And it's impossible to think about 80s pop without thinking of Culture Club and particularly Boy George and the impact that they made.
0: And also with the biggest hit single of the year, with Karma Chameleon, this is Culture Club.
1: And let's be honest, even if you don't know Boy George or anything about him or Culture Club, if you hear those first few beats of Karma Chameleon, you, you definitely know that song. The same with Do You Really Want to Hurt Me? A big part of his story, John, was his sexuality. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, this is an era as well of Wham! You know, of,
2: of George Michael and and all kinds of questions in the, the press, the British press, about, about sexuality. And... Yeah, Boy George at the time in interviews claimed to be bisexual. Uh, you know, he said he had girlfriends and boyfriends, something that David Bowie had effectively said 10 years before. A lot of people suspected otherwise. And when he published his revealing memoir in 1995, he basically kind of revealed all, you know, he said he had never been bisexual. He'd always been gay. It was always men for him.
0: You know what? I actually wish I was bisexual. I think it would be more interesting, but I'm not.
2: The environment that that existed in, in Britain and, and, and Ireland and elsewhere at that time, you know, while homosexuality had been de- decriminalised in Britain in 1967, there was still a lot of homophobia out there. Uh, it was certainly in some of the red-top newspapers. It was on the terraces at football matches. And even somebody that, you know, it, when we look at it now with, uh, 2022 vision we can clearly see that you know this is a, a flamboyant, flamboyantly gay performer but back then you know it wasn't as easy to be to, supposed to come out as it is today but he did in
1: 95. Even when he did that in 1995 in his bio, autobiography Take It Like a Man he did cause shock because he named people that He claimed to have been having secret relationships with, including the punk rock singer Kirk Brandon, and even his fellow band member, the drummer from Culture Club, John. John Moss, yeah.
0: You know there was an attraction from the minute we met, and there was me holding him back. You know, wanting to be in love with him, and I think he just found it very frustrating. You know, and I was so jealous. If I saw him talking to one of Banana Ram, I'd have a fit. He apparently broke fingers. Oh, he broke his finger t- trying to punch me. On two occasions. Yeah, he tried to punch me in Germany, and I jumped out of the way and he hit the lift. He threw glasses at him? Yeah, yeah. Ashtrays? Yeah, ashtrays, Everything chairs, would go everything. Chairs? Yeah, everything.
2: There was, I suppose there was a sense of shock there. And I remember, I think it was the same year that George Michael came out as well, 94, 95. And even then, there was considerable surprise. I think in some respects, people felt a little hoodwinked. You know, some of the fans thought, you know, hold on, we really invested in you, you know, as as a star. So why were you so so secretive with us? I think there was an element of that uh, at the time. And then
1: the other part of his story was the drugs, John. And he had a heroin addiction in the 80s. He got clean. It came back in the 90s. He really struggled... All his life, pretty much on the back of that, he did. He did. There was there was an enormous problem with both heroin and cocaine.
2: I mean, he did. He, he it was hard drugs all the way f- for him from pretty much early on. And I've interviewed so many people who uh, are of that era, that, that that glorious pop era, and both those drugs were were just everywhere at the time. Boy George managed to sort of have this significant hard drug habit and yet kind of function. But we saw that come the 2000s, you know, as he's getting older, as he's getting into his 40s, he's really struggling.
1: At one point, his own brother went on television, John, I think, basically to plead with him to stop. Is your
0: brother addicted to heroin? Yes. There's no doubt about it. You know, George is sick. What's your message to him? Just just get better. I mean, I just want him back. I just want him, you know like it used to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no that that was the case and actually many of his contemporary pop acts as well, you know, they were concerned that he was he was looking like becoming another fatality. Um, you know, it had got completely out of control by the time of his false imprisonment of the uh, male escort, he was spending somewhere between £400 and £1,000 a day to get cocaine um, and and other drugs. Even for a very successful pop star, that is a, an extraordinary quantity of drugs to be going into your system.
1: And so he went, obviously Culture Club came to an end. But he went on to be a solo artist. Uh, He became an acclaimed DJ. He had his own theatre musical, Taboo. But then, as you say, that's when we reached the point of the false imprisonment incident. There was a lot of detail. He didn't actually give evidence at the trial for that. But there was a lot of detail about what happened in that whole episode.
0: When I was in court, I chose not to give evidence. I chose to just accept what was happening and For me, you know, I felt that was the dignified thing to do when I went to trial. I was a year clean So I was already sober so that person I was in court and the person that had been arrested. They were two different people Plus I just didn't want my mom to have to hear all this stuff in court I just thought she's been through enough. I mean I banned her from coming to the trial But I just thought you know what I'm just gonna accept it. Mm. I'm just gonna accept consequences of what happens it
2: must have been a, a petrifying moment for the the man who met him on, on that occasion obviously he would have known who boy George uh, was no doubt excitement to be kind of spending time with a pop star he was being paid for his time as well you know, they met on an escort agency website. But it it is quite chilling because initially, Boy George seems to have been extremely friendly with him. Everything seemed to change when Boy George left him in his house to go out to get some groceries, as you do, and then returned and seems to have been under the impression that the escort had been snooping on his computer. And I suppose, you know, any celebrity will want to guard aspects of their privacy very dearly and there might have been this sense that hold on what's going on here what's this guy doing these are all allegations that were proved to be unfounded in court and there was another man in the house at the time who hasn't been identified and he helped Boy George basically get the escort round him up drag him over to a radiator and chain him to a radiator. And the guy managed to escape by breaking part of the bracket off the radiator, escaped out of the house and flagged down a stranger on the street and was apparently extremely traumatized
1: by what had gone down. Interesting, John, I was reading back through some of the the court copy from that time. And in mitigation, the Defence counsel for boy George at the time. Well, he talked about how he was living in this world of paranoia and obviously the drugs and all the rest of that was an issue. But then he went on to say that there was a certain irony that uh, Mr. Carlson, who was the victim here, would make money out of this while the costs of the defendant, a.k.a. Boy George, would be enormous and that he'd never be able to perform in the United States or Japan again, where he was a, a big name and that he'd lose lots of money on it. And now that may have been true for a little while. And that brings us on to today, because in recent years, he's the jungle is one thing, but he's actually been on Irish television quite a bit. He did Ortiz, Who Do You Think You Are? He was on Virgin Media's The Big Deal. He was on The Voice in Australia Um, and so he's really reinvented himself now as a reality TV star if you like culminating with him landing in the jungle and all that story that you've just been telling in quite a bit of detail kind of falls away somehow. You know, despite what was suggested in court
2: ultimately it had very little impact on his career. I mean, it has to be said that in the, the solo years leading up to this incident were not nearly as successful as the cultured club years had been. He wasn't part of the zeitgeist in the way that he had been in the 80s. Boy George, when he talks about this difficult period of his life, mentions drugs constantly, you know, the fact that it had wrecked his life. And he claims that his second coming, so to speak, has been fueled by getting clean. You know, he went into rehab and he has been clean for years now.
0: The best thing that happened to me was getting sober. That, that, no question. March the 2nd, 2008, my friend Tony Marnock rang me and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just lying here, feeling sorry for myself. And he said, come to an NA meeting. And I was like, I don't want to come to this meeting. And he was like, no, I'm going to send a cab for you. <laughs> You're coming. Yes. And, um, Thank God I went. Thank God I went. He
2: has been extraordinarily successful. Like the the taboo, the stage show has been massively successful in both Britain and the US. As you say, he has been uh, on 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 several reality TV shows. The Voice Australia being the most significant for sure. Um, interestingly, when he was on Who Do You Think You Are for RTE, he discovered that one of his relations was killed in the War of Independence. He he really kind of uncovered just how significant his Irish background is. Um, And I I think one of the things that was always said about Boy George, even in the the drug-fueled years, was that he had a very savvy businessman's head uh, on him. And, you know, I read recently that he owns 11 businesses. He has a house in Hampstead in London that is worth £17 million. It's been on the market recently. His own personal wealth... Again, I've read various figures, somewhere between 30 and 50 million pounds. You know, he has done exceptionally well. Unlike early seasons of I'm a Celebrity, the, the contestants don't go on this thing, desperate to, to make cash. Uh, and yes, he he will, as we said at the top of this, he is going to make a lot of money. But more so than that, I think he sees it as a golden opportunity to reach 20 something kids who simply don't know his music who don't realize that he was a, a ginormous star in
1: the in the 1980s It's certainly John a chance to reinvent himself and uh, while some listeners to podcasts might be surprised, I'm actually a bit of an I'm a Celeb fan. It's the one reality show I can see so I can report back on the first few episodes where he basically is going around doing an awful lot of chanting and meditating and giving out about the food and being crabby at the same time. So he's almost, on one hand, he's this really zen character, and on the other hand, he's this cantankerous one who you can tell is going to cause trouble with the other campmates.
2: Which is exactly what the producers want as well. I mean, they need conflict. These shows thrive on the the sense that people won't get on or that somebody will um, inflame a situation. Has he, has he consumed any of the... Uh, the, the the bugs yet, because of course he's talked about his vegetarianism and suggested that uh, he might be exempt from some of the more horrific things that people have to do on this uh, reality show. He hasn't eaten any
1: bugs yet, John, but it's only been 48 hours, <laughs> so maybe he'll oh, get desperate. Okay. <laughs> I might tune in for the bug eating bit. John Marr, thank you very much. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced and researched by Garth Mulhall with sound by John Smith. Archive clips were from BBC, ITV, MSNBC, Independent.ie, Channel 4 and ITN. To hear more of our award-winning journalism, visit Independent.ie or wherever you get your podcasts.